Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. It is the Fightful.com List and your boy podcast, number 27. But most importantly, Jimmy Van, Fightful mm-hmm. is one year old technically. I know you consider like August the launch and all that stuff, but around it was around either the 5th or 6th. I did my first shows with Vince Russo. And Showdown Joe, and here we are a year later. I was telling you off the year, I can't believe I've tolerated you for a year. Yeah, it must be you tough. Know? I wish a year ago I had a thought up, you know, I love you and I believe in you, because that, that would have made my year a lot smoother, I think. Man, you're, you're but, really running that one into the ground, aren't you? <laughs> you know what, in all seriousness, it's gone by quick, and I think we've done some good things. We're not where I want to be, as you know. Sure, but uh, but we're gonna get there. I think we've done some good things. We've uh, we've had a lot of stories get picked up by some of the big boys, so things are going along pretty good. I'd say. I'll get two plugs out of the way right now. Uh, Ultimate Fighter finale coverage Friday, UFC two thirteen Saturday. Me and Showdown Joe are gonna do a podcast after two thirteen to cover the weekend. Then Great Balls of Fire Sunday post show podcast. But uh, in particular, I want to say Carlos Toro just unleashed a boxing newsletter on us, and it's badass. You guys got to check it out. He put major, major work into that. There's nothing online like what Carlos did, and if you are a casual boxing fan or you're looking to get into it, you want to talk about a primer. That dude just knocked it out of the park with that, so uh, look for some more of those to come, especially as we learn how to utilize them and really maximize it, but... The Fightful Boxing Newsletter. I'm super excited about that, but one year old. Hot damn. <laughs> you know, about, back to the boxing thing. Can you believe the year boxing's had this year? Awesome year, because last year was a trash year. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I think Oscar De La Hoya called it the worst year in the history of boxing last year. This year, it's. I think they've kicked the UFC's ass this year. Oh, yeah. I, I would, I would been, definitely agree. 
I was in yeah. the middle of that crazy weekend uh, last weekend with the two New Japan shows, and I had to watch Slammiversary while New Japan was going on. Did my notes and match ratings for those, had to get ready for podcasts. And then I watched that Pacquiao horn fight, and it right. kicked all kinds of ass. It was incredible. It was good. You, know, was good. you had Joshua Klitschko earlier in the year, and you might have that rematch later this year. You might get Pacquiao horn too. Ward Canelo. Kovalev didn't do great numbers, but it's yeah. it's pretty. Uh, it, it was still a nice a nice fight, but, uh, but yeah. So man. let me ask you, man. So where's the headband today? Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Oh, you have the headband, and is that the one that was given to you? Because you said somebody was gonna give you a headband. No, 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 no. no. I bought them. Uh, if I, if I, uh, I bought these, but yeah, perhaps I'll have some made. So there was no. Obviously, Nike did not approach you. No, I about wish, wearing their headband. I wish they would. Ah. Uh, so how come you're not wearing it today? Is it because you like shower today and you're clean? I shower every day, Jimmy. <laughs> Why is that? Is that like a surprise to Canadians? Is that something that you all don't it's do? Just, I just water too I, cold up there. Like what? Yes. What is it? We're hoping that water heaters uh, enter the country soon. What soon. kind of what kind of weather do you all have up there? Nigel's asking me if I can turn your audio down a tad. I think I can. Yeah. Okay. But he'll have to explain to me in the chat how to do that. What's the weather like in Canada at the end of July? Because my grandma hears about my Toronto trip, and she said. You better take a long sleeve shirt, and I'm like, it's the end of July. <laughs> so I don't know what it is in in Fahrenheit, uh, but you can, can do a conversion. So right now it's, uh, I believe today is 27 degrees Celsius, uh, and we have a humidex. Uh, I think it's around 30 degrees with the humidex. It's hot. It's hot up here. 80 degrees, yeah, and it's only going to be hotter in July. Well, I mean, we're in July now, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of July, yeah, I guess you're right. Good Nigel point. has entered the picture, so what's going on? Just Nigel's stepping in. He could have explained it to me on the the chat. It's better? Okay. Apparently, I was screaming, Sean, and you don't need me to scream, bud. That's true. That's true. In well, any situation. What happens is sometimes you'll get up all up on the mic like this. I haven't done that in a while. Like I haven't about done that. to There's... spit bars. No, there's a solid like two or three feet between me and the microphone now, man. Now, I don't you, do that. You've broken that habit. You've broken that habit. Speaking uh-huh. of spitting bars, yeah. holy shit, the Usos unleashed one on New Day last night. They did, and I, I was going to talk about that later. So um, why can't they do more things like that where you let the guys improvise? Clearly, the Usos had not asked the office or they had not asked Vince McMahon if they could throw out that little bomb about – Xavier was being R-rated, even though technically, Sean, he was X-rated. But why don't they let guys improvise more? I realize it's live TV, and that's why they don't let Brock speak in the ring and stuff. But they do have tape delay, correct, in in the case of, like, course language? Yeah, it's a matter of a few seconds, and I don't know that tape delay would have caught that. It wouldn't have. No, yeah. it wouldn't have. But, but I know that one of the reasons they don't let, let Brock talk is because he swears, right? But I they're they're not as confident in his mic work. I don't know if it's. I, I think by now he knows to not swear. No, he still does because he did with. I can't recall who he was in the ring with uh, prior to Mania. Uh, it was a lower card guy. Remember that got in the ring with him? Heath Slater. Might have been Heath Slater and I think Brock. He said he didn't was, give a shit about his kids. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that Usos thing, I let me tell you, I am not a fan of the Usos. 
Uh, I have found that the Usos, uh, I don't know, they, they, you know how we've talked about some guys seem to have drive and hunger, some guys seem to be content in their spot. I felt for a long time like the Usos were just kind of content in their spot. It was one but, of the things that New Day brought up, like that yeah, they, were, but, they were content, they were out of shape, and they carry Roman's bags. Right, right. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with some of what they said, but the fact that they gave them the freedom made it refreshing to me. They weren't spewing off nonsense that somebody scripted for them. It was entertaining. It's good. They took a segment that was sure to be a trash fire, and uh-huh. they made it very good. They made it advance a feud. Wale was awesome. Wale, right. who you know follows me on Twitter, by the way. Does he? Yes, of course. Why wouldn't he? I mean, so does P. Diddy. It's, P. Diddy does too. So I mean, no, yeah, that's no. I that, swear to God, he does. Like, yeah, look. but P. Diddy, P. Diddy is not tweeting. Somebody's doing that on his behalf, and they have to be a wrestling fan. Well, he is. He's a wrestling fan. Is Diddy a wrestling fan? No, he, he's just been on the program 20 times just because he hates it. I mean, I thought maybe he's casual. Like, he knows The yeah. Rock. Was, well, that's probably yeah. what it, I don't think he's, like, sitting at home watching 205 Live yeah. or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he is. You never know. You don't think you watched Slammiversary? I mean, Sunday? Roseanne was tweeting about New Japan Saturday night. Really? Yeah. She said She was like, New Japan rules. I was like, what? I'm not really? a Roseanne fan either, but... Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But I thought that was a great segment. I thought that Wale did great. The Usos did yeah. great. New Day did pretty good for what they could for what they had. Yeah, I think so. I liked it. And uh, speaking of, since we just kind of segued into celebrities, I want to give a shout-out to Maria Menounos, who obviously is probably not going to ever see this podcast, but... Are you kidding me? Her and Baron Corbin probably get together and watch this show. People... Yeah. People seem to think Baron watches the show, and I tweeted that I can personally guarantee Baron Corbin has never caught a Fightful.com podcast. Maybe, maybe, because yeah, unless what you tell him not to do, he thinks it's a good idea to continue yeah, true, it. True, true. But uh, Maria Menounos is battling a benign brain tumor, and she announced that she is resigning from e-television uh, to focus on her health as well as the health of her mother, who is battling cancer. I personally, I'm not an entertainment guy, and, and most of today's celebrities, I probably don't even know who they are. But uh, I love Marina Menounos because she is respectful to the wrestling business. She's knowledgeable about the business. Uh, very humble and down to earth when she's on WWE television. I think she's been nothing but a credit to the business. So uh, wish her well. I love her. Whenever whenever she's part of the show, she's just so respectful of everybody. I think the you know? world of her, she, she's yeah. good for the business. She's good to the business. Absolutely. I hated how the fans treated her when she inducted Bob Backlund. I agree. I thought I agree. that was... But she handled it like a pro, though. Of course she did. She's you know, like she, what she is. Yeah. 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 I love uh, her a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, After Buzz, which she has a big part in, is, you know. Her husband owns it, right? I, I think so. Yeah. I think but, so. Yeah. But obviously, very good to wrestling, too. Hosts uh-huh. like X Pac show, Lillian Garcia's show. Ryan Satin does some stuff with them. So, uh-huh. uh, shout out to Maria Menunos. Hope that she, she feels better soon because Absolutely. that's a tough situation to deal with. Now, we talked about this on Twitter a little bit uh, this week. Uh, there are rumors that the Colognes might leave WWE because SuperLuchas.com posted a photo of a Pro Wrestling Tees t-shirt design for Orlando Cologne, who is Epico in WWE. Uh, I was a little disappointed in this because I really was getting behind the shit capsule gimmick. You know? I could have been unique, man. Yeah. Peddling shit capsules. Could have had a bottle and everything, you know? Sure. But you know what I thought was interesting? 
So Epico is the one who had the T-shirt design. He is the uh, the nephew, I believe, of Carlos Colon. Primo is the son of Carlos Colon. Yes. The SmackDown Battle Royal this week only had one of the minute, and it was Epico. Mm-hmm. That was interesting, don't you think? It was interesting. Yeah. So I mean, not that it meant anything to the match, but no. That, that thought... match showed me how much mid card drivel there is on that show, though. There's it's a true. lot of it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, AJ I, don't, I mean, I'm sure they thing. could yeah. they could go back home and wrestle in front of their 300, 400 people at WWC and hope that their they dad could. pays them. And Uncle yeah, pays I mean, them. they could they could probably do decently on the indies. I think. I mean, they're not going to do Cody Rhodes well, but they no, could do all well. Right. Few are, few are. Yeah. Cody Rhodes yeah. was Cody Rhodes went into it with a plan, and that list that he made really, right. really set him off, like. And now he's the Ring of Honor World Champion wrestling an IWGP heavyweight champion right. in a main event of a show. Yeah, that, that thing was very well. Go check out my podcast on that at FightfulPods.com, you guys. Let's talk about me bouncing you from the YouTube chat yesterday, Jimmy. You didn't bounce me from the YouTube chat. I timed you out because you were, you were misbehaving. <laughs> okay, I left the chat because I had business to attend to. You got and I timed had, out. I had, I had people coming in and out of my sure office asking me questions. My wife actually came by at one point with my daughter to say hello. Uh-huh. And she came in and she said, why are you watching Joe's podcast in the middle of the workday? Because I don't normally do that. Uh-huh. And I said, I had a little bit of free time and I just wanted to bust Sean's balls a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What? I told Joe on the, on the air that I kicked you out of the chat or that I timed you out. And he was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall what I said anymore. Uh, we were talking about like Canadians are nice. Yeah, somebody, and... somebody was on the chat saying that I had a Canadian bias for fighters, and I'm right. I was lost. I was like, I think they got me and Joe mixed up. For how I don't know, but right. Joe very obviously does. Do yeah. I wish that he didn't? Yes, I do personally. But I'm I can't change Joe as a person. Right. I don't. And they told me to go back and look at my review of UFC 206, which. Didn't really have that many Canadians on the show, and none that I have any emotional attachment. The one Canadian they had on the show that I feel any type of way about was Misha Serkinov, who beat one of my trainers to get into the UFC. And I'm definitely not going to be biased towards him. Right, right. I mean, the only only one that we ever put over recently was Elias Theodoru. Yeah. Because we got to know him. And yes. and he was a cool guy when we got to know him. Otherwise, the, the one thing I said in that chat yesterday was, uh, I don't care if you're Canadian or who you are. If you're an asshole, I'm going to call you an asshole. Yeah, doesn't matter if you're Canadian or what you are. Well, I mean, I've but. been I've been very critical of of Elias and his fighting style and his his aggressiveness, things like that. So, I mean, I don't yes. even know where that would come from. But he's fighting on the weekend, was, I think. Yeah, he's fighting this Friday. Of course, Friday. we got full coverage of Fightful.com. Yeah, good. I hope I hope he does well. Hope it does well. What's I want on, to tell you what's on the uh, list. Do you have the list? Is it? Has have we started it? Oh, been getting a lot of flack for you uh, ripping Chris Jericho's gimmick lately. By the way, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I uh, when do I ever care about that stuff? I don't know. Sometimes matter you seem fact, to. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a funny thing. So when when we get to the stupid nicknames later, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to introduce a new segment called "Stupid People of the Week." Oh, I, I was don't have tempted- an intro for that. It's okay. It's it can. It's all bundled in. I was tempted as a joke on the Jericho list gimmicks theft. I was going to call it the weekly stupid idiot. Uh, but then I decided, nah, we'll just call it stupid people of the week. Were you going to do a countdown? Were you just going to rip Jericho's whole thing? 
That's too much effort. Then I have to stand with my back to the camera and ah, it's too much. I got to get a, a, a jacket with shit on. No, I'm not going to do that. You know what's special? For the next month, this is the only place people can see James Ellsworth. He got suspended by Daniel Bryan. You really think that's, you think that's going to hold true? I don't know, man. You don't Hog think he's going to show up in Hog character? Hogroasts are big in the summer, and I think to survive, he's going to have to stay on the move. So he's he's got to stay on the road with WWE. You've already been to one this year. I have. It was my first one I've ever been to. I've never been to one because they don't do that a lot up here. So I've never I, been to that. Yeah, it was it was like a crawfish boil and a hog roast, neither of which are my thing, but I had a lot of right. great friends there. And let's let, let's just be honest. Your boy dominated at Wiffle Ball. I'm talking like nine strikeouts over five innings. Is that something to brag about? Hell yeah, it was something to brag about. My wife went two for three. We stunted on those hoes, Jimmy. We did. We lost the game, by the way. Great. So uh, I want to tell you a story because I saw something this stories. week. You tell stories? I do tell stories, but this one is about a news item, and the minute I saw it, I thought of you. Okay. The minute I saw it. Now, do you remember a week or two ago, we talked on this podcast about mainstream news reporters mm-hmm. and how we get irritated by the ones that don't do any research when it comes to covering wrestling, and they, and they, they are very uninformed, and they ask a lot of stupid questions, right? Yes. You are going to love the quote that I'm about to read you, man. So you're familiar with the Donald Trump video, the Twitter video? The, the GIF image, yes. Yes, okay. So anybody that didn't see that, Donald Trump posted a little video on his Twitter when he closed on Vince McMahon at WrestleMania, but over Vince McMahon's head, they superimposed the CNN logo. Uh, and we don't need to go into it. Trump's got a thing against CNN, whatever. So he posted that. The Associated Press, of all of the news outlets, Sean, that aren't going to do their research – the fucking Associated Press, yeah. okay, came out with a story on July 3rd. The writer's name is Jake Pearson. So if Jake Pearson ever sees this, you're a moron that you couldn't even do two seconds worth of research, okay? So the Associated Press did a story about Trump's Twitter video, and then they went into his background about wrestling and his friendship with Vincent Mann and Linda McMahon and all that, right? And included a quote from a guy named Ranjan Cheber who they say is a humanities and film studies professor at Florida State College in Jacksonville, and they say he has written about pro wrestling. They didn't say in what capacity and what kind of pedigree he has, but they said that he's written about pro wrestling. Here is something that the Associated Press wrote, and they're quoting this Ranjan Chibber guy. Uh, And before I give the answer to this little thing, I'm going to ask you who you thought it was. Hopefully you haven't seen this already. So uh, this Ranjan guy said – Trump is most clearly portrayed in the ring by the wrestling industry's current bad boy turned hero. Who'd they say? Bad boy turned hero. Current bad boy turned hero. Seth Rollins? CM Punk. Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. So they said that they they tried to compare CM Punk and Donald Trump. They called CM Punk the industry's current bad boy turned hero. They, they call him a brash 38-year-old wrestler whom writers have dubbed the voice of the voiceless. These guys were five years, five years, Sean, out of date. They couldn't even Google his name before they, they wrote that story. The man hasn't wrestled in three and a half years. Uh, the WWE no. dubbed him the voice of the voiceless. 
Ooh. Hey, Associated Press, for, for a nominal fee, right. your boy will fact check your bullshit. Right. Can you believe that? That's so the guy's absurd. name is Jake Pearson, a writer for the Associated Press. He couldn't even take three seconds to Google CM Punk's name before putting him in here saying that he is the industry's current bad boy turned here. It's unbelievable that the mainstream media is so ignorant and so uh, unable to do research when it comes to pro wrestling. That might be one of the worst ones I've ever seen, I think. I have been contacted a few times to do articles locally for like newspapers and outlets and things like that that – that know that I'm from around here and stuff like that, and like mm-hmm. the inquiries will just be weird. I can't remember any off the top of my head. I do have some saved, but like they'll contact me and they'll ask me, and they'll and I'll be like, "You don't have any clue what you're asking me to do, do you?" Right. Like right. I could just completely bullshit it, and I know that they wouldn't do the homework necessary in order to to no. fix this because. Otherwise, the inquiry that they would have given me wouldn't be that anyway. Like, No, you're right. I mean, think about it like this, right? Last week, we talked about FMT, fecal microbiota transplant, mm-hmm. right? You and I talked about that. Clearly, I am not an expert when it comes to FMT, but I took 10 minutes to do research so that I could get the names right and I could get the, you know, the, the procedure correct and all that stuff. You're telling me these writers can't take that 10 minutes to figure out who CM Punk is? And, and this dude that they quoted, Ranjan Cheeber, who the fuck is that? Have you ever heard of this guy doing any wrestling writing? No. Like, it's, it's nonsense. Ranjan Cheeber. Yeah, his last, name's got, his last name's got two H's. C-H-H-I-B-B-E-R. Huh. Yeah. Florida State College. No clue who that is. No, no. No clue. No offense. Like, I wonder, no offense, I wonder if Jake Cheeber. Pearson... I wonder if Jake Pearson was like at a coffee shop and he heard the guy, this Ranjan Cheeber, say, hey, The Rock is in a new movie coming out called Jumanji. And Jake Pearson was like, oh, he knows who The Rock is. He must know wrestling. Yeah. So let, let's ask him what current pro wrestler is most like Donald Trump, you know, as he's portrayed. Just whatever. Yeah, I had not it's just seen so... that. That is – that's weak shit. That's rough. It's pretty bad. I want to talk about American Alpha. Okay. So um, we talked in previous weeks about how there are certain wrestlers that don't have the ability to cut a promo, but they have elite level in-ring skill, and they, they can use that skill to get over. And we talked about how in the past the British Bulldogs were like that, the Steiner brothers were like that, and now American Alpha is like that. Clearly, lately, the company sees something in Chad Gable. Because he wrestled Kevin Owens a week ago. He wrestled uh, AJ Styles this week. My question for you is, I know Chad Gable did an interview on WWE.com and he said that they're not breaking up. Do you think that Chad Gable is going to be like the Bret Hart of that team? Do you remember when they tried to split the Hart Foundation around WrestleMania 4 and Bret was going to peel off and have a feud with uh, Bad News Brown? Do you remember that? Yes. And it didn't work out for whatever reason, and then they put the hearts back together, and they had another title run. Do you think that they're experimenting to see if they could turn Chad Gable into a singles guy, or do you think that they know he's a good in-ring worker and they wanted to throw somebody different in? With, I think uh, both. I think both, and we've never seen we, – well, we've not seen this to an extreme degree. I think this would work with American Alpha, and it's something like myself and uh, my tag team partner, happy birthday to him yesterday, Jay Grooms, and Catchpoint, Matt Riddle's team, often do as well. It's the thing where 
you have two guys that are such competitors that they mm-hmm. will team together, but for the right amount of money, they will face each other too. They'll mm-hmm. do whatever they can. Like they're they're just like that's their thing. They are that competitive. I always thought that was a unique angle to bring to something right. like that. And Chad Gable almost he pretty much said as much after SmackDown. He's like, We're not splitting up, we're just doing our own thing. Are you surprised, given how Vince McMahon has always had a thing for size, that they're not doing this with Jason Jordan yes, instead? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, because, and see, Jason Jordan, the thing is, he didn't work for a very long time before Chad Gable came along. Chad right. Gable was almost like, I don't want to say his last chance, because I don't know how far they were from even considering releasing Jason Jordan, but mm-hmm. what was going on with him wasn't working before. I always thought that that partners who are open to facing each other and it's not always some jealousy thing like just competitive and they're that good that they can hang with each other they know Mm -hmm. each other they've got all these strengths i think that can work really well uh it's worked well for catch point in in evolve uh so i think yeah i think it's a good idea i think it's a way to move uh let me ask you this question too so in the 80s, I know you said that you're not uh, overly knowledgeable on the NWA from, mm-hmm. from the 80s. In the 80s, Ric Flair, they used to do uh, um, almost like pay-per-view series. I forget what they called it. There was like a series and everyone was televised. Ric Flair, on any given night, was defending his title, his NWA world title, against Hawk or Animal in singles yeah. matches. Uh, and I think Hawk was the one that really got over uh, and, and was given several matches against Ric Flair. I think that that series of matches helped the Road Warriors kind of get to the next of level, right? Of course do you think it that, did. Do you think that could help happen with American Alpha? Do you think that maybe now they're going to give Chad Gable a shot against Jinder Mahal even? Like give him, give him a good match? I don't think they'll do that because he lost to, to Kevin Owens. And there were, you know, I'm sitting here wondering, I'm like, should American Alpha be the ones that attacked Brizongo? Should they be, like, should they be Owens cronies? But they, they're too good to be cronies, I think, uh, as... Jeff Hawkins quickly shot down last night. Mm-hmm. They're very, very talented dudes. They're very special dudes. I think they are. They could be this generation Steiner brothers, but you have to get behind them like that. Absolutely. Now, do I think that either are as charismatic as a Scott Steiner? No, I do not. Uh, also, Rick Steiner had that unique charisma because he looked different than everybody else. In those days, Rick was the charismatic member of the team. Yeah. Because in those days, Scott Steiner was completely stiff when it came to his ability to play play yeah. with the crowd and whatever. Well, then so. then people saw him do a vertical suplex, seated tombstone, and they got behind him. He he became an innovator, and that's that's really what led to a lot of his his change. And then obviously he changed his look. Like he was very right. smart about it. He he was like, I'm going to differentiate myself from that character. To you the know what? point a lot to of where guys... we see him this sun last Sunday on a pay per view. And yeah. probably the best thing on Slammiversary. So, I mean, it's it's worked out for him. You know, for years, people were calling the Hurricane Ron or the Frankensteiner. Yeah. For years. You know? Not like he – and I don't think he innovated the move. But no. he, you know, he was the first American – big American wrestler that used it. So I especially it guy named after Huracan Ramirez, I believe. Yeah, it might have been. Might have been. Uh, okay, we got some time before the next uh, spot. So let's talk about Lana. By the way, by the way – Runjan Chibber wrote a Paul wrote about Paul Heyman for his doctoral dissertation. Did he? Says Aaron Hyden, uh, Fightful.com writer. Good for him. And he thinks that uh, Donald Trump, yeah, is just like the industry's current bad boy turned hero, CM Punk. Good for good for Runjan Chibber. Uh, let's talk about Lana. So 
What do you think the company is planning for her? Because just to recap, she's this to was a bitch. She's to mean as bitch. She's to mean as bitch. So she, let's recap this. So, so we heard they were looking to create the new Sunny or new Sable, right? Mm-hmm. They gave it to Emma. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. Next thing you know, Lana's moved to the other brand. They're doing these these video vignettes where she's dancing. Everybody's thinking, okay, she's going to be the next one because she should have been the one the whole time, mm-hmm. right? Then when they finally debut her to much fanfare on SmackDown, they reveal she's going to be a wrestler and she's been squashed three times by Naomi. How do they think that's going to get her over? I don't get it. I just don't understand. I don't know, but I, I know that right now, after the last three, four weeks of programming that I see, I'm much more optimistic in something like this than I would have been before because they've done a pretty badass job at building several people. Right. Uh, and, and Lana was super over when she showed up. Absolutely she was. the thing is, her as a wrestler right now, I don't know if it's sustainable. Down the line, will it be? Yeah, based on what I saw in her first match against Naomi, I think it will be sustainable down the line if she's into it. Whatever they did Tuesday, I'm, I'm interested in because Tamina played it off well. That's the best I've seen Tamina play off anything in her career, ever. Ever, ever, ever. At no point have I been more interested in Tamina Snuka than I was Tuesday night when she shows up and she's like, get the fuck up, we're going. And Lana's sitting there like like some child that just got beat by her mom or something. Mm. And she's like, Okay, okay. Lana played it off well. Tamina played it off well. That's why I'm 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 remaining open minded to this. Plus, do you think they're going to try to make her a baby face? Now, maybe. I mean, she. You, I don't want to say she already was, but she already got those reactions, didn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I look at it like I, this. So, Lana, Sonny... Lana as like being taken under Tamina's wing and basically, like I said, being her bitch. I could think of far worse things. Than yeah, something maybe. like that, because we haven't really seen that. I know a lot of yeah. people were like, ah, another bodyguard angle for Tamina. I don't think this is that. I think maybe it'll become that. Maybe. But. I mean, when you think back to Sonny, so Sonny was never an in-ring competitor and, and never really wanted to be. I think she did a couple tag matches in WCW, but was never an in-ring competitor, so she doesn't really count. But if you look at Sable, when they cr- turned Sable into an in-ring competitor, and she became and arguably the hottest thing uh, yeah. at one point in, in wrestling... Can you imagine if they had to had Sable get in there and get her ass kicked three matches in a row? I mean, she like was powerbombing Mark Marrow. Right, right. But I'm just saying that it would have killed her dead if they had to put her in there yeah. and squash her three times in a row. So I question why why bother? Like why even give Lana those in ring those matches? Why even do it? And the thing with Sable was her best match she ever had was her first match. It was that WrestleMania 14 match against Luna and Goldust, and very little of that was on her. But like you. You would see her, like, her matches got worse and worse. You would have yeah. where Edge carried her through one, then her match with Jackie was a disaster. And right, right. She faced, like, Luna in a strap match. That was just a crapper. But Lana showed some promise against her first match against Naomi. Yeah. And since then, you can't say that anything that she's done is bad because it's been so short. But yeah. I'll see it through before I before I completely crap on it. So this is a bit of a of a of a old school quiz question, but do you know who John Gallagher is? No. So John Gallagher was a Canadian uh, sports reporter, I guess, sports journalist. Yeah. And in the in the 90s he had a live show on TSN and you could probably find this on YouTube. He used to have wrestlers on all the time cuz this is when TSN had the WWE contract and wrestling was really hot, right? Mhm. 
go on YouTube and look up a show of uh, the John Gallagher show or whatever the hell it was called when he had Sun, uh, Sable, China, and uh, uh, Deborah McMichael on the show. And live on the show, because do you remember you used to hear stories about how Sable had some heat in the locker room? Yeah. Right? Live on the show, Sable and China started shooting back and forth. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Do you remember seeing that? So that was – and poor Deborah McMichael because she was one of the ones everybody liked. She's just sitting sitting in the middle, you know, almost like a referee while China and Sable were going back and forth. It It was entertaining. And with the Lana Sable thing, to be fair, that's that's a thing we see a lot from a lot of old minds. They're like, well, when they booked Braun Panty matches, ratings were through the roof. Also, people didn't have the fucking internet back then. For a lot of people, that's where they got their hot women was on TV. They couldn't just uh, walk over to okay. their computer and clickety-clack. In the past, when you've made this reference, you didn't say... People didn't have the internet. What did you just say? You said they couldn't get their hot women. You said they couldn't get something else in the past. They couldn't get a lot of shit back then. The internet (laughs) wasn't prevalent. I couldn't have a box of Cheerios delivered to my door either. No, I think you said something along the lines of they couldn't get their rocks off. Maybe. That's what they're doing sometimes. (laughs) What the hell? Sometimes. Sometimes. Speaking of those people... Yeah. That that often bring that up. Our boy Vince Russo, who I got a film with, like later this week, maybe early next week, mm-hmm. talked about Paul Heyman, finished up that conversation. We'll go to that right now. Vince Russo, and really, I'm just, I'm, I'm here for the intro song. That's what we're all here for. That's the only reason you're here? That's, that's why we're here, so I can hear this. Okay. You know I'm sexy. How did those phone conversations go in regards to TNA? He spoke a little bit about this with with Ariel Hawani a few years ago about things that he wanted to do. Uh, But what were those conversations like? Bro, let me tell you something. That was the beginning of the end for Dixie Carter. And I'll tell you why. I was having conversations with Paul Heyman. I I suggested I bro, I was a writer, and I suggested to Dixie, let's let, let's try to get Paul Heyman here. He can help us, right? I reached out to him. I had phone conversations with him, right? Finally, bro, I brought Paul Heyman to Dixie Corner. Okay, bro. Next thing I know, I go to Dixie's office one day. I love Paul. This, that, and the other thing. I set up a meeting with Paul and Spike TV. I said, when's the meeting, Dixie? She goes, uh, she goes, it's tomorrow. I said, so you're going to New York tomorrow? She said, no, Paul's going by himself. Bro, as soon as I heard Paul Heyman was going to be alone with the Spike freaking executives. I knew that was the freaking beginning of the end. Because Spike did not think highly of Dixie Carter. They did not respect Dixie Carter. Paul was going to go in there by himself, tell them all the things Dixie was doing wrong and what he would do 
totally work circles around the Spike executives and Barry Dixie and Barry TNA. And I said to her, I said, are you freaking nuts, Dixie? But that's how clueless she was, bro. She had no idea Paul would go to that meeting and it would benefit Paul. He wasn't going to go in there and put TNA over. He was going to go in there and let Spike know how much they needed him. And that was exactly what he did. At that point, Spike was, you need to have an executive producer. You need to have an executive producer of this show. You need to have an executive producer. They never, ever brought that up before. That's when she then brought in Eric, and Eric was then the executive producer of the show, going to Spike, putting himself over like Paul did, and burying everything that Dixie did and TNA. That's why, bro, for these freaking idiots that actually believe when I was consulting for TNA and Spike found out about it that I was the cause of them losing the contract, first of all, John Gaborik told Spike, Vince is, is consulting with us. They already knew they didn't have an issue with it. Second of all, bro, the day John Gaborik sent home Eric Bischoff, that I, I said, you're done. Your freaking Spike loves Eric Bischoff. This guy is going to come in in the first month and send Eric home. They are done. That was the beginning of the end with the relationship between Spike and TNA. They've never rebounded from that. But when, when they sent Eric home, that was the end of it. Another thing that Heyman said was something like he wanted to get rid of everybody on the roster over 40. That would have been a big chunk of that TNA roster at that point because they had Nash, they had uh, Sting. They had a lot of names that they relied on who were over 40. Did you ever hear about that, and what did you think of it? Bro, I heard about that, but at the end of the day, Paul Heyman wasn't looking at the numbers that I was looking at. And like I said, bro, we were drawing over 2 million people. Bro, do you know what segments were the highest rated segments every single week? The main event, the main, the main event mafia. And who was in the main event mafia, bro? Kurt, Sting, Booker T, Kevin, Scott Steiner. That was the highest rated segment of the show. Bro, you eliminate all that at once. You're going to go down the you you're, you're going to go down the drain. Now, do you incorporate the younger guys and build them up and start phasing out the older guys? Absolutely you do that. That's what I tried to do with WCW. But to just go in there and clear out all the veterans when they were the ones drawing, I don't think TNA could have afforded to do that at the time, to be honest with you. How do you think TNA would have changed at the time had they brought in Paul Heyman? He did take, talk about those pretty uh wild things like that he had planned like everybody over 40 gone i don't think that would have been a good idea but i think maybe eliminating a significant number of them would have been because i mean there are guys like like chris jericho can still go he's 46 and he had one of his best runs ever i think that spike uh executives would not have allowed it yeah uh because they had they had too much power they were paying for some of those guys 
Yeah, and and Dixie Carter. I mean, I, I I've never had a lot of respect for Dixie Carter as a wrestling executive. She was more, I think, of a mark in a lot of ways, but she wouldn't have allowed it. Like she wouldn't have allowed Hogan to not be there and Nash to not be there. But I do think if anybody could have turned them around, Paul Heyman had as good a chance as anybody. You know, and I, I will say this about what Vince Russo said. I don't always necessarily agree with everything Vince says. I think that that email that was leaked had more to do with uh, the Spike relationship deteriorating than he wants you to, to think. Yes. But uh, I agree with him. For Dixie Carter to set up a meeting with Spike executives and Paul Heyman and not want to attend is just stupid. I mean, there, there, there's no other word for it. It's a stupid, thing, stupid decision for an executive to make in that situation. So uh, this funny text message I got this weekend. <laughs> well, first off, I'm talking to people. Uh, you know, I, I contact on an impact taping week. I, in, I contact former employees, current employees. Several of the former employees I contacted said that Dixie Carter reached out to them, and several of the current ones did too, saying, and I guess like on the day she was like, thank you for working for me for all these years. I really appreciate it. And one person, like, I, I asked a current employee and a former employee, and I got, like, the same response from it. It was great. About all the agents that got cut, they said, mm-hmm. Dixie Carter thought it was a bad idea. Imagine how bad of a fucking idea it has to be for mm-hmm. Dixie Carter to think it's a bad idea. Man. Yeah, I heard that she was uh, filming a reality show about herself and hoping to um, pedal it to a network. I heard. Listen, all of us so, can. I, I, me and you could start a reality show right now about about running a failing wrestling company. It ain't hard. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! You're not talking fightful, right? You're talking. No, you're talking I mean about a wrestling. wrestling wrestling company. I mean, you know what? I will say about Dixie again, and we've talked about it before. I've never heard a lot of negativity about her as a person. Right. So as as a person, I know Kurt Angle has said this and Sting has said this as a person. She was apparently a really sweet person and and a nice person to deal with. Mm -hmm. So you can't knock her in that regard. But in terms of a wrestling mind, she just didn't have it. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. But as it pertains to TNA as as a content company, how different do you think it would be had Heyman taken over? Because there have been times over the last 15 years where Paul Heyman has been on the WWE payroll just Mm -hmm. so something like that doesn't happen. I think it would have been a short-lived relationship because I think not, – not unlike when Russo went to WCW and, and, and not that Vince had great ideas in WCW because some of them weren't. But uh, he went with the notion that he was going to be the be-all, end-all of creative yeah. and within a few months they turned it into a committee. Uh, I think Heyman – it would have been a short relationship because again, if, like we talked about, if he wanted to go in and say, OK, I want Hogan gone and I want Nash gone and whatever – the executives would not have allowed that to happen, and Heyman is of the—he's got that personality where he probably wouldn't tolerate it. So, I don't think it would have lasted. I, I think again, if anybody could have made it work, it would have been him at that time. But I just don't think it would have lasted. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I remember he had a great conversation with Ariel Hawani about it on his show a few years ago, mm-hmm. where he spelled out those plans, and I was like, the great mind you know is going to cook up some some good stuff but Absolutely. like at the same time like there's and their roster right now it's rough you have EC3 yeah. who transcends you have Eli Drake who has a really colorful personality but so many of their wrestlers wrestle exactly the same right now they tried to switch that up at Slammiversary they brought in some lucha underground guys they brought in some pro wrestling noah guys 
But that match was one of my least favorite on the show. It was such a mess. And I've been sitting there thinking, like, man, it sure would be nice if this match had a road agent. Mm. I just still can't, I, I still can't believe Jeff Jarrett sold a non-existing uh, promotion. How about that shit? It's unbelievable. I mean, good kudos to him that he was able to, to basically conjure. Do you consider that genius? Up. Because like, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of like weird, <laughs> you know. I mean, come on. He's he's been savvy for a long time. Like he held up WWE for all that money. He has never like outside of a, the last couple years. He's he's never been really out of a job. Yeah, but let me ask you this: Do you think if Jeff Jarrett could go back, knowing what he knows now? Do you think if he could go back and do that match with China differently in terms of business that he would? Because I think he would. Yeah, I do. Because he he was he, he was the, one of the guys that they were never going to bring back. Yeah. Right. So I think he would have done it differently. Oh, I will I, say this. I th- not only that, I think he'd be working backstage for WWE right now. Very good chance. Yeah, very good because chance. Because I've always I think, I've always said that when he doesn't book himself, he usually books pretty well. Like it's right. it's just he can't book himself because. Otherwise, you're going to hear "My World" over the, the loudspeakers in every title match. Like he kept Monty Brown from being world champion when Monty Brown could have been something special in TNA. But yeah, I, I he made all that money off of that. Then he got a big contract from WCW, which got him through a year and a half or so, which uh, maybe a little bit longer. Started TNA, managed to make a get bought out of that parlayed what he had left into time for Global Force Wrestling, then came back a few years, didn't have to give up anything, really. Yeah, but let's be honest. I mean, you, you saw the videos when he was peddling that fool's gold. Oh, yeah, that, right? was, that was when I was worried. That's, like, that's don't kid yourself. Point. That's he his has, low point, though. Yeah, yeah I, I think he had some, some financial struggles for a few years. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'll give him props because it's still shocking that he sold a, a non-existent promotion uh, to Anthem. But if he was dealing with somebody other than Bruce Nyborg, do <laughs> you th- do you think that he would have got that deal? Like, let me no, let, let, no, let, let me I don't think this. he would have gotten the deal. And the thing is, no. he's getting paid. He's getting paid yes. a salary right now. This isn't like yes. him putting all of his chips. No, there. he's getting a salary for this. Dude. He's getting a salary and plus equity if they were to ever sell. And and uh, you know what? I, I've been pretty honest on this podcast about how I don't think much of Stephanie McMahon in terms of being a wrestling executive. Yeah. Uh, she, she hasn't impressed me. Stephanie would never have gone for that deal. No. There's no chance that she – I think she would have seen right through what a bunch of bullshit that was. But Bruce Nyborg bought it, and, and so now he's getting a salary and equity. So good for Jeff Jarrett. I mean, you know, you, you got Gabe Zapolsky who got you – know, he's out of Ring of Honor – and he started a company out of thin air and evolve, and is doing okay now. Like yeah. I, go, I went to the San Antonio shows; they were great. They made right. money; people liked them. It wouldn't be that hard for Anthem to have done that. Like, why did they inherit all the the Impact stuff? Like, I don't. That's the thing. I don't know. They, what they literally. They literally could have gone on GoDaddy.com. They could have done a bunch of searches. You know, there's a website called bustername.com, and if you throw in random words, it'll create domains that are available for you, right? They could have gone to bustername.com. They could have put in words like, you know, wrestling and stuff. They could have found a a domain name name available, paid, you know, $4.99 for it, and essentially been in a spot that they're in now with Global Force Wrestling, with the exception of one television taping. And Anthem, with their connections, could have found probably a better, maybe not a better TV deal, but a comparable TV deal that had nothing to do with pop. 
Like they right. didn't need impact. They didn't need that. What are you inheriting when you buy that? Nothing. You got a couple uh, of library. And, That's uh, it. And yeah, and you're paying Jeff Jarrett a salary and Karen Jarrett because they they put her in the press release too. So yeah. she's getting it's ah. Uh, we've talked about Bruce Nyborg. Yeah. Business 101, my friend. We Brilliant. have some. Let's we talk have some, We have some questions from from the. I asked them to send in any questions about the first year of Fightful. Okay. Somebody says, did you ever think you would have this support and exposure for Fightful before launching it? I think we expected to have more, even. I will tell you this, and, and I'm, I don't want to go into great detail on, on certain things behind the scenes, but I will tell you this. So my day-to-day business has to do with – we buy a lot of media uh, in my day-to-day business, Facebook and Google and, and native ad companies. Uh, we buy a lot of media. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. And we do that to sell products. And so I thought I could take what I know from that business and I thought I could bring it into this business. We've been spending tens of thousands a week on buying media for Fightful. It doesn't translate Damn. the same way. Yeah, yeah it, does, it doesn't translate the same way. And this is what I've kind of learned the hard way is that when you're trying to build a content site and build an audience versus selling a product online, mm-hmm. it doesn't translate because I think people are too desensitized. And when they see a Facebook ad, yeah, they might click on it and they might check the article out. More times than not, they're just going to close the browser and not bookmark the site. you got to make them habitual so, users. Yeah, so, so one thing that we've learned over the last year, we spent a lot of money and not seeing the results we expected because, again, I was going by what I knew from another kind of business. So now we're taking a new uh, strategic turn into SEO, which I think is going to help oh, us yeah. a lot more in the long run. So I think we've done pretty well. We have a decent following and stuff, but we're not where I thought we'd be. And But we're, we're going to get where we're I want us to be. Yeah, because we had like other sites we would compare ourselves to, and we wanted to be there like within three months, and that just that just wasn't happening. I mean, our podcast no. numbers are pretty good for for a thing that just existed a year ago. Like there are websites that have been around for twenty years that don't do the podcast numbers we do, which is sure. kind of impressive. Uh, but I mean, you know, we we got a. There are other SEO is a big thing. Like a lot of us, yeah. I didn't realize Alex worked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. An SEO before Fightful, like what? Yeah, I didn't know this. I could use this help. Yeah, that's that's who I've had helping me, like hands on. Yeah, might want to message Alex about. SEO. I think I might want to. I think I mean, you know, what we're doing is not going to be cheap because we've hired yeah. a company to do it, but it's necessary. I think. Well, so. luckily for you, I work for Peanuts. Relative peanuts. Like so you like, told me a while ago, you have no problem being the prettiest girl at the dance when you need to, right, Sean? Prettiest girl at the prom when yeah. I need to be. But when you ha- need to be. have I not said on repeated occasions I would sign a lifetime contract with what is it? Shazu? Shazu. I think you to- I think you told me that after you short army into a race. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't short arm you. I strong armed you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was the reason why Jimmy had blood in his stool. Oh, is that right? <laughs> is that right? Because I Just broke my this, foot my off friend. in your ass, and you had to go get a colonoscopy, Jimmy. Just remember this, my friend. 
very much like Vince McMahon. I don't really care who you are. If I, if, when the time comes when I no longer see the value, shh. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, if you spend that much, maybe there is no value in me. Ah, you know what? I, I like to bust your balls a lot, Sean. I do, but in reality, in reality, and you might want to hold on to this recording because it doesn't happen a lot. I don't think I could have found somebody better than you to do what you've done in the last year. I will in say reality. that there is nobody in wrestling who doesn't own a website that works more than your boy. And I will also say that number two on that list is probably Alex Palowski, which is quite an interesting thing. Everybody else that works that much, like usually they've got a stake in a site or they own a site. But right. uh, another right. question, whatever happened to Trina? Uh, I'm, I still get along with Trina really well, uh, but we moved on to like our some of our contracted people, more of our site personalities like Anna and people that – I brought over from other places and stuff, but I, I think I'll probably have Trina on here and there if she's ever down for it. I like Trina. Also, someone says, there you go. what was, uh, well, we, we've already answered that one, but uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, Jimmy said he wanted to talk to you off air about Riddle. We need to know how that conversation went. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and tell you all. That way, maybe you can hold him accountable if it doesn't work. Uh-huh. Matt said... When I get back to America after the 10th, let's film something. I said, okay. But the last time that me and Matt had scheduled something to film, well into the show, I found out that he wasn't going to be there. So you never know. I, I get along great with Matt. I still talk to Matt. Like, fair, like I would say at least once every week or two. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. shoot the shit with Matt or we Snapchat. Nothing perverted, you sickos. <laughs> text or anything like that. Like I get along well with Matt Riddle. Uh, you know, I do think it ended a little bit abruptly, but unfortunately, it wasn't doing the type of numbers that we that we wanted it to do. Maybe that's because it was behind like the the membership wall. I don't know, but yeah. But I want I want to make it clear. So the, the membership numbers or the viewers that was not the catalyst for canceling those shows. Yeah, we did it because it was just overkill. Like most people were not going to watch. Way too many shows. Five wrestling shows a week, five MMA shows a week, MMA pay-per-view shows, and wrestling pay-per-view shows. It was just too much. Like it, it, We were burning out the audience, and that was the real reason that we canceled those shows. Yeah. So I want to move on. I want to talk about Kevin Owens. Yeah. Now, a week or two ago, you and I talked about how some guys on the roster, they seem to have the, the drive and the desire uh, to be the best. Some guys on the roster seem like they're just kind of content in their spot. Uh, And we listed Kevin Owens as one of the guys that we thought had that drive. You can see it in him when he's on television. Mm -hmm. The reason I want to talk about Kevin Owens is because here is a guy who um, he was on the independent scene for 15 years, John. 15 years, right? He started in the year 2000 in Quebec when he was 16 years old. He wrestled the independents until 2015 when he got picked up by NXT. He wrestled for Ring of Honor for seven years. Uh, and here is a guy, some people knock him for his physique and, and for wearing a T-shirt in the ring. But here is a guy who has great in-ring ability, excellent promos, great when he does commentary, great at picking up the little things like walking around his face on the ramp when he comes out that not a lot of guys pick up, great at improvising. He can like think on the fly. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because his DVD came out this week uh, on Tuesday. And the day that it came out, it was the number one bestseller on Amazon in the sports category, and it sold out on Amazon. And I think to myself, again, here's a guy, 15 years on the independent, Sean. That's no joke. 
That's that's basically 15 years working for promoters when you don't know if you're going to get paid. Oh yeah. And 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 making a couple hundred bucks a show. And sometimes shows get canceled. I've done a lot of stuff on the independents over the years. Shows get canceled last minute. I can tell you stories, Sean, about driving with Jim the Anvil Nightheart to try to search down a promoter because Nightheart was going to kick his ass. All right? That's how the independents can be. And for him to bust his ass and finally get that chance, and now he's got the number one best-selling DVD, you talk about a guy that deserves it. So when I heard about that, I just wanted to talk about that. Did you see the thing he did on Talking Smack last week with Renee? Yeah. Because, again, it goes to show how awesome Kevin Owens is. So, obviously, him and Renee know each other. They're both Canadian. And a couple of times he's referred to her by her real name, right, Renee Paquette. Uh, On Talking Smack last week, he was ribbing her on the show where he was going to grab her iPhone. And when when she went to protect it, he grabbed her water instead and spilled water on her phone. So, Renee tweeted and said, I'm having to do this from a laptop because you killed my phone. Uh, and a gentleman by the name of Matt Camp, who works for Bleacher Report, he uh, he tweeted to Renee and he said, you know that you can use a thing called TweetBot and it'll show you what device you're tweeting from? And Renee goes, oh. And then Kevin Owens used TweetBot, put a screenshot on Twitter, and it said that she was using her iPhone Ooh. for that. He, he, I just – I think that Kevin Owens has done an awesome job. I think that 15 years on the indies, like I said, is no joke. A lot of guys would not have – there, a lot of guys would have, would have given up, honestly. There are a few guys, like that Biggie is another one who lets his personality shine through on social media. No right. mercy at all. A f- right. Like years ago, I didn't think Kevin Owens was going to be here. He was so right. out of shape that I yep. didn't think – that was the only thing. Yep. I was like, Vince McMahon will not let this guy there. And he got himself in, in good enough shape to uh, – to I mean his side, profile, his side profile is still not flattering. Let's not kid ourselves. But the guy can go in the ring shot. There's, like, there's, it another, thing, there's another thing that I want to bring up. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before. I think it was WWE 15 or 16, whatever the hell it was, 2K. Myself and my cousin played it. He is a super casual wrestling fan. And like Kevin Owens was the first guy that he was like, oh, who's that? Because he didn't look like everybody else. And the right. thing is, him looking like everybody else on the street is one thing, but the fact that he doesn't look like anybody else that you see on this program right. makes him stand out, which is kind of right. unique. Because in the, in the 80s, like there were a lot of guys, the early 80s and the 70s, there were a lot of those kind of out-of-shape dudes, and he maybe he wouldn't Most have stood of them out were. as much. Yeah. But he it's, it's, and, it's, it's been, in 30 years, it's been a flip. I mean, Hulk Hogan initially got over because he was the tan, muscled-up guy Yeah, in the late 70s. And and now, like you said, this day and age, that's the norm now. And and a guy like Kevin Owens is, you know, different from the norm. But uh, he's the one guy when you watch SmackDown. He's the one guy I enjoy watching because you don't know what he's going to say. Yeah. Because he he's not going to say the same shit that all the other guys are being scripted to say. Like he's going to do it in his own way, and he's going to improvise. In you his second that? language. In his second language. In his second language. And have you you've seen the clip when he's got the headlock on Roman Reigns right at the house show on the house show? You've seen that. So anybody that hasn't seen this, go on YouTube and look it up. Kevin just, Owens. Just look, look, Roman... up, look it up on Fightful. We did an article about it. Okay, okay. So Kevin Owens had Roman Reigns in a headlock, and somebody in the crowd was yelling something at him. So Kevin Owens, while he's got Roman Reigns in the headlock, starts yelling at the fan, telling him how much he was going to make on that loop and how much he was getting for merch and how much he was getting for his match payoffs. And Roman Reigns, had, to, while he's in the headlock, had to take his arm and cover his face because he was laughing. Uh, and again, how many guys would, it reminds me of Owen Hart in the nineties, you know, he used to do stuff on the live event tour like that. So I wish there were more guys around like that. Honestly. I do too. 
I do yeah. too. And yeah, like you said, you never know. You never know. I I had agreed to do like I think eight dates for a local show around here. I think we did three, three right. of those eight committed dates. And with for a guy that made that his living, I can't yeah. imagine how many times that happened to him. And he had to sit there and wonder, uh, how am I going to yeah. eat this week? This guy was not crushing it by any means, yeah. you know. Like, and and now he's got a family. And I, 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 at least his oldest son was around when he was still working in the Indies. I don't know how old his other one is, yeah. But at least the oldest one was. So that's he busted his ass, and he deserves all the success that he's got. Uh, and since we're in a positive mood, putting people over, Sean, you know, we're in a positive mood. I want to talk about the Miz. Sure. Uh, I, I would imagine particularly about this photo we have of him. Right. Put that up for a few seconds. So the Miz went all SpongeBob and split his goddamn pants on the air. And uh, Nia Jax, <laughs> did you see Nia Jax's tweet? I did. That was pretty good. Now, what I, I want to say about the Miz, we've talked about before how he has had a career resurgence since they brought Maurice out. Yeah. Uh, and he has been one of the highlights, if not the MVP of the Raw brand since he's been on the Raw brand. Uh, what I loved about that photo that you put up, not only did he wrestle in slacks, he was wearing tap out underwear. Did you see that? (laughs) You want, you want, you want to talk about, you want, well, I'm an investigative reporter at times too, Sean. And I can say that comfortably because I got a wife and two kids, so I can say that. But, uh, not only did he wrestle in slacks, but he's a company man to the core. He wore tap out underwear, which is the company's, you know, brand. So, uh. I know he's to me he's just been he's been a rock star and I really hope they don't split him and Maurice because that is the act. I'm not crazy about Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. You know when you were talking earlier about you wouldn't want American Alpha to be uh what'd you call them cronies? Yeah. Right? So to me, I don't like having Bo and Curtis in that role because they're known as scrubs and I think that guys aren't gonna take the Miz seriously as an upper echelon act when he's got scrubs as his entourage. I think they would have been better off if they had gotten him somebody new from NXT or maybe given him somebody better established on the roster. So I'm not crazy about them as his entourage, but I love the fact that they're giving him lots of, of airtime. They're giving him freedom with his promos. And I think that he's hammering it every week. Like, I think he's doing a tremendous job. Yep, I think so too. Uh, they got to use his guys on the roster, but I think that that Bo Dallas is Bray Wyatt's whipping boy is the way to go there. I can't believe Agreed. they haven't went there and Agreed. and done that. That's that's kind of kind of unusual. Uh, we got another question. Somebody said, Sean, uh, "SRS, what's the word on Shane?" Okay, so me and Shane also get along very well. Still, still talk to him all the time. I would do a filming with him, but the the main issue is is that when we did our podcast, there were some like internet connection issues on his end. I don't want to commit to a taping pay him and then have a rough connection so if if i get word like maybe that will be sorted out um i would love to do a filming with shane he's got a lot of good stories and now i'm sure that he would be more than open to spill some <laughs> impact wrestling beans so i'm sure ho- he would hopefully we can do that but uh next week jimmy yes we have a hall of famer i watched it yeah diamond dallas page absolutely you all are going to be seeing some of him over not over the next few weeks, over the next several months, maybe probably few weeks. in and out, in and out. We're gonna, yeah. all, we're gonna, but we've got, we've got probably, I don't know, seven, eight segments with Diamond Dallas Page that are. Mm, 
Maybe a little lot. less. Maybe a little less. Lot. But I, 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 will, I will say this. I, I was never a fan of DDP in terms of being a wrestler, but I have a lot of respect for DDP. Yeah. Because here's a guy, he got into the ring at 35, and, and the odds were against him right out of the gate because of that, and he succeeded. And then you know how a lot of guys, when their in-ring career is done, they hang on too long because it's all they know or because they love it? Mm-hmm. He segued, or transitioned is probably a better word, to the yoga, which arguably he's done better with the yoga than he did in wrestling. So I have a lot of respect for him, and then plus what he did for Jake Robertson, what he did for Scott Hall. So I have a ton of respect for, for Diamond Dallas Page. And I saw that. And you know what? Give him credit, too, because you did that taping with him. I don't know how much time you asked for, but he gave you like 50 minutes. Yeah, he did. So On a random Saturday. And on a random Saturday. That, yeah. was, that was a busy weekend for me, and he messages me back, and he's like, hey, you ready to do this? I'm like, oh, shit. Right. Like, just right before we did the New Japan thing, and we talked about a ton of stuff. So we'll have right. that. I'm supposed to film with uh, Vince Russo. I'm supposed to allegedly with Matt Riddle. So we're going to have some of those alternating in and out. Deanna was another good one, and we'll get to her later. But Yeah, and I want to get her back. I want to bring her yeah, back. Yeah, she was she was really, really good. And she was just this person who uh, you mentioned to me. You were like, hey, we don't have anybody for this week. And I was like, Deanna, there's plenty of stuff to talk to her about. She's yeah. been everywhere already. I like her perspective because she's got the perspective not only as a young up-and-comer but as a female wrestler. Yeah. So uh, I like her perspective. We'll bring her back. Let's do the uh, the stupid stuff because I want to I want to get to the stupid people of the week. The the stupid stuff. Well, stupid what stuff. Have, what have we been doing for an hour? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. How long are we gonna keep doing this shit, Jimmy? Oh, for a while. Oh God. For a while. So, so first off, once again, thanks to Trevor Strong for the usage of the stupid song. Check out trevorstrong.org. And thanks to Gisberto Guzzo, who does the, uh, the, the nickname Counts for us. Now, starting this week, Sean, I am going to do a top three stupid people of the week. Because I come across these stories. These are non-wrestling stories. But I come across these stories, and I think to myself, I've got to talk about these, Sean. You know? Because let me tell you, man, you know this, okay? There are a lot of stupid people in this world. You know it. And sometimes it goes beyond the normal level of stupidity. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to start talking about it. So I'm going to tell three quick stories uh, and the dates they came out. I guarantee you've never heard of one of them. The other two you might have. But I guarantee one you've never heard of before. So the first one came out June 30th. I can't wait to see your reaction to some of these, Sean. Okay. First one came out June 30th. There is an airport in Toronto called Billy Bishop Airport. You will not see it. uh, No, it's a nice island airport downtown. Downtown. I guess I'm the asshole then. Yes, you are. Well, normally. (laughs) And uh, you will not see it because you're going to be coming into the big airport when you come. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. Billy Bishop Airport put up ad posters talking about how they were upgrading the passenger terminal. And the top of the poster in big letters said... Because you are precious cargo, not cattle. Right? Yeah. Which is why they are upgrading the terminals. Animal activist Sean complained to Billy Bishop Airport that those posters uh, were disrespectful to cows. Kind of are. <laughs> I guess I could see that. I mean, yeah. How many cows do you know on social media, Sean? <laughs> None, but I mean, I can kind of see it. It's like, well, damn. How are you How treating many cows your cattle? Would be offended? <laughs> How many cows are going to be offended by an ad poster, buddy? Well, I'm not. I'm not like 
crying or upset about it. I'm just saying, like, yeah, that does that does make you kind of go, how the fuck are you treating your cattle? And this is coming from a guy whose family owns some cattle. <laughs> I was embarrassed as a Toronto resident that some idiot complained to the <laughs> airport, all right, complained to the airport that an ad was disrespectful to cows. And you know what made it worse? So the airport took the ads down. And the person that complained on their Facebook page was like gleefully, hey, guess what? And all these people were commenting saying, congratulations, you did it. Good for you. You know what I, you know what I thought of when I saw that, Sean? What? Have you ever seen Elf with Will Ferrell? Yeah. You know when he goes into New York and he sees the coffee shop and there's an ad that says world's greatest coffee? Yeah. And he goes in and he goes, you did it. Yes. That's what I thought of when I saw that. There That's number a, one. There was a controversy in my hometown – or my where I live, because a Spanish teacher had her students, her elementary school students, watch this video called Spanish Fashion Show. Yeah, and I think was, you told us this one, right? Yeah, and it was in real the animal weird. costumes. There were some Hispanic kids that were dressed in his in like animal costumes, and one was yeah. down there, like straight up sucking them udders. I mean, yeah. working <laughs> them bad boys. <laughs> yeah, you've you've told us that story before. So I right, was let's... in there like, you know, I'm a little sensitive to cows these days after seeing that. Apparently, because I thought it was dumb. So the second one, June 28, this came out. A China Southern Airlines flight at Shanghai's Pudong Airport was delayed for over four hours after an elderly woman threw coins into the jet engine for good luck. Fucking moron. That one was pretty awesome. Now, this last one. I was debating about telling this story because it's got a sad ending, Sean. Uh oh. So I debated about it, but I decided, fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway. So you know how there are some people on social media now, and they want to be, say, YouTube celebrities. Oh, I've got one on my, I have one on my my Facebook friends list who I've been friends with for like a decade, and that okay. dude is trying so hard to be a Facebook right. celebrity or right. a YouTube so they're, celebrity. So they post videos, they help to go viral, whatever, right? So there was a 19-year-old woman from Minnesota named Mona Lisa Perez. She was attempting to perform a YouTube video stunt in which her boyfriend – did you hear about this one? Yeah. Okay, so her boyfriend, 22-year-old Pedro Ruiz III, would hold an encyclopedia over his chest, and she would shoot a gun at the book. Uh, They claimed that uh, they had performed something similar or he had performed something similar and it went fine. They were thinking that this was going to go viral and it was going to make them big YouTube celebrities. And they were posting hints and teases on social media before they did it about how dangerous it was going to be and make sure you tune in. Well, of course, she shot and killed them because the bullet went through the book. Can't fire around into the ground. You can't figure it out. Well – that's what they did. So now she faces up to 10 years in jail and a fine of up to uh, $20,000. Yeah. Is it, isn't it amazing that in order to become a YouTube celebrity, you would attempt something like that? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I just yeah. get on get on and talk about wrestling. It's way easier. Now, I have a quote from Triple H regarding nicknames I'm going to read. Okay. Uh, but let's do the nickname thing first. Remember you said that we should turn this into like a family feud thing, and I'm working on it, Sean. Oh, boy. I'm working on it. Got to figure out the board and all that, but I'm working on it. So for Raw this week, nicknames were used 62 times, an increase of two from last week. What do you think were the main ones said? King of the Cruiserweights, The Boss, and who wrestled a long match on Raw? So the main one this week, Monster Among Men, 
14 times. 14 times, Sean. The boss nine times, the big dog six times, the goddess four times. And here's the big question. Who said it, Sean? Michael Cole. Michael Cole 31 times. 31 times, man. And Corey Graves 24 times. So Corey Graves is back to shit after he was starting to come around. He's back to shit. Now, SmackDown is always better. SmackDown 26 times, up from six last week. Well, you, you always have to, you kind of got to multiply that as well because they Yeah, gotta, but it's still gotta, way down. Okay. It's still not close. It's still, think about it. 26 times over, over two hours, 62 over three. That's it's true. not close. And uh, Ms. Money in the Bank was said the most seven times. Tom Phillips said the most, which was six. Here's what makes SmackDown better. Not only are they saying it less times, but normally one or two in terms of who said it is the ring announcer, Greg Hamilton. Should that even count? Uh, well, I mean, Gisbert. You know what? Ask Gisberto if that should count. I don't think it should because, I mean, they're going to announce it on – they should. If they're going to announce a nickname, it should be on their way to the ring. Well, we've talked about this and they don't, yes, right? Sure. JoJo says the Celtic Warrior. JoJo doesn't say the Big Dog. JoJo doesn't say King of the Cruiserweights. They pick and choose for some stupid reason. Now, I want to talk about something Triple H said. So you know that a few weeks ago we talked about how uh, word had come out that Triple H did not, like, did not like the usage of nicknames, right? Yeah. And apparently he was against it, and obviously Vince was winning out because it's Vince. So I found this clip on YouTube. In September of 2014, Triple H was on Chris Jericho's podcast, and they were talking about how in 97, you know when WWE went a little bit more reality-based and they went less on the stupid gimmicks? Mm-hmm. Right, And at that time, Triple H was known as Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And Vince went to him in 97 and said, because they were making this culture change, Vince said, do you want to start going by your real name, Paul Levesque? And Triple H said, well, I don't know. I've got some legs with this Hunter thing, and I feel like I've got some name value. Apparently the whole time, Shawn Michaels in the back had been calling him Triple H the whole time. Yeah. Right? So Shawn said to Vince, just call him Triple H. Hunter was against it. Uh, and let me see if I can read this quote. He said, uh, it was a nickname thing. At first, especially when they would say it, it was like forcing a nickname is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Which goes to what we've heard, that he doesn't like it. And what had, what had ended up happening was, because Vince was the be-all, end-all, and Hunter didn't have the stroke at that time, Vince said, we're going with Triple H. So Hunter was like, all right, we're going with Triple H. And the one thing that he acknowledged on Jericho's show was that uh, it became it becomes your name. Later, it's just who you are. But obviously, the difference is that he did not become Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He just became Triple H. Yeah. Roman Reigns is not just the big dog. Do you think Vince calls him that backstage? What's up, big dog? Oh, woof. I would absolutely bet he does. I would absolutely. Look at that. He's a monster among men. (laughs) Did you like that chicken and catering monster among men? I have to ask you, Sean, has this ever come up in foreplay? (laughs) <laughs> usually well I, I can't can't pretend like hashtag 90 minute man hasn't have you ever said to your wife here comes the big dog but you do an invisible man's voice i will yeah. <laughs> okay uh when you guys are in toronto i'm talking to your wife the we're fuck gonna see that's how supposed many... to mean jimmy trying we're to gonna... catch an ass whipping we're gonna see how many wrestling impersonations you must miss that really blood are. in your stool right 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 you're you're very terrifying, Sean. I should tell you this more often. Do we want to get to uh, Diana? Nah. No. 
Yeah, actually, don't, we do. Don't worry about it. Deanna Perrazzo, obviously, uh, go follow her, guys. If you're not already, she will be in. I'm surprised she's not in WWE already. It surprised me if she didn't end up in the the Mae Young Classic. Uh, and, and I mean, she's she's been everywhere. And of course, we spoke to her a couple weeks ago. the The final segment for now of Deanna, which we definitely hope to have her on again. She's been everywhere, guys. Everywhere, and she does a little bit of everything. You wrote uh, uh, actually for us a little bit about your experience in Japan. What was that like? Are you heading back over there anytime soon? Uh, hopefully, um, I think either by the end of the year or in the new year, that'll be able to to get back with stardom. Um, but it, like I said, it was always a goal of mine. I had every book about wrestling and every DVD and every magazine, and the people that inspired me the most were people who had been able to say that they went to Japan. So in my mind, it was always like, if you're a good wrestler and, and you know your craft and uh, you went to Japan and you learned and you trained. So to be able to get that opportunity so early um, on in my career was just a, an amazing feeling. And I, I jumped at that opportunity. There was no doubt that I was going to go uh, because it was something that I always wanted to do. Um, so the more that I could go back, the better at this point. Were there any like cultural hurdles there? I mean, you're you're in Japan. I assume you don't speak Japanese. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of culture shock was that? I think, like, as a foreigner going in with stardom, um, a lot's taken care of for you. And a lot of the girls when I had first gotten there, I was there with uh, Viper and Kaylee Ray. And those two have toured with stardom quite a bit. So um, the culture shock wasn't as prominent for me because I had girls that could teach me the train system or taught me the little bit of Japanese I needed to know to get by. Um, it wasn't just just me immersing myself into this. I had people that were willing to help me. Um, but the more that I stayed, the more I realized, like, women are so submissive there and, like, People just walk into you if you stop moving at the train station or, uh, you know, they ex expect women to move out of the way for men. So things like that, that it's not like that here and everyone just moves for everyone and um, things like that really like there was one point that I was just I was just like, oh, my God, I don't know how anyone deals with this because I was just getting like trampled in the train station. But um, besides that, like um, that was probably the only moment that I was like, oh, God, I can't do this. Everything else was, I had a lot of help and a lot of support with, with good friends. I saw that you also uh, teamed with Shayna Baszler over there. Yes, I did quite a lot. Former UFC star, did, did like you girls do training together, anything like that? Yeah, so Stardom has us in a dojo three days a week. Um, and what was really cool was a, the, the senpais who run training um, let Shayna train quite a bit. So we got to learn a bit more MMA style things or... Um, you know, just a lot of the conditioning that Shayna does at her gym at home. So um, more than just learning from her in a technical aspect of, of pro wrestling, uh, we got to do a lot of MMA-inspired things, so that was fun. Yeah, I know that her trainer, Billy Robinson, is really highly regarded over there. Uh, so I figured that that would be a, a, a simple transition for her. Now, the thing that I always ask anybody who has spent any extended period of time with Rip Rogers do you have any crazy-ass Rip Rogers stories? And it, it's been over a year since I've asked you this question. So yeah. I get the feeling that the last answer probably isn't the best answer. Um, 
I honestly couldn't remember what my last answer was. Um, and I, I, I haven't seen him in, in quite a long time, but um, I'm trying to think. That doesn't keep anybody from having crazy-ass Rip Rogers stories. <laughs> Though those can, those can happen remotely. Yeah, I think... Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think now. I mean, for me, he's always been really crazy. <laughs> and, the, you know, the craziest thing was uh, I got to wrestle Mike Bondo for an hour. And that was the first time that I had met Rip, and he was like, so... Deanna's going to go an hour, and this is Mike Mondo, and you two can get in the ring, ring the bell. And it was not like I didn't have a moment to be like, I what? You know what I mean? Um, I think I had been wrestling just, I had maybe eight or nine, like, matches live. Like, I didn't know how to wrestle for an hour, uh, but he just kind of threw me to the wolves, and, uh, you know, he, he's just, he is just crazy. How how did it work out for you that Mike Mondo, a former WWE tag team champion, also yeah. appeared on SmackDown last year, but you're in there for an hour early on, and he does that like all of his students go an hour. It's like mandatory. Yeah, um, it was crazy at first because I was like, I don't even know what half of these things that he's calling are, you know. <laughs> but Mike is just amazing, and if I didn't know what it was, he could get get himself in it or do something else at a moment's notice where I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and about like 20 minutes in, I remember thinking like, well, if I just die, then it's over and I don't have to do this anymore. It's so okay. Just die. But you get like a second wind. And, um, it was, it was a really great accomplishment for me. And, uh, Mike and I are really great friends now. So, um, it's, it's funny to be able to, to look back and see where I was then and kind of see my growth and my progression. Jimmy, pay attention. I'm paying attention. Your face is down. What are you doing? Do you know who Connor McDavid is? Connor McDavid. No, I don't. Yeah. So he uh, plays for my beloved Edmonton Oilers. He won oh. the he won the NHL Most Valuable Player Award this year. Mm-hmm. He just signed a eight year, hundred million dollar contract. At twenty years of age, oh, he wow. is the, the the largest cap hit in the history of the league, twelve and a half a year. So that just uh, was just announced by the but, Oilers. Uh, by the Oilers. Okay. Yeah, they just, they just did a press conference. So. Pretty solid news, I would imagine, for you. He's a phenomenal player, absolutely. And, and 20 absolutely. years old. 20 years old, so they got his prime years coming. Yeah. Whoo. Yeah, yeah. I want to say something about, about uh, Deanna. Actually, before we, we talk about what Deanna said, um, she talked about the train station thing. Yeah. Have you ever seen YouTube clips of the Subway Packers in Tokyo? No. Go on YouTube, and for anybody listening, go on YouTube and do a search for Subway Packers Tokyo. During rush hour, and I don't know if Deanna saw this when she was there, during rush hour when it gets really crazy, they have guys, they're in full uniforms and they're wearing gloves and they have hats. They have sticks like this, and the subway trains in Tokyo get so packed during rush hour that they have to use the sticks to push them in. And they're called Subway Packers. Like, what, you mean People. People. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So go on YouTube and look up Subway Packers Tokyo, and you'll see it. That's interesting. We have a train, well, kind of, an old train depot here in my town. That's like my town's, like, thing. Is I'm that thinking. We, is that we uh, restored a train depot. Shelbyville monorail? Pretty much. I mean, people, I guess our town used to be, like, happening, and when people used to get off the train at the depot, they would come to my house where they would have 
unidentified dead bodies on display and walk through in case they could identify them. I hear what? crazy – yeah. Yeah, I hear crazy stuff about my house all the time. What was that, like the 1800s or something? Yeah, probably. Either okay. early 1900s, late 1800s. My house was made in 1875. So when you come to Toronto because you've never really been to a major city, are you going to check out the subway and all yeah. that? I've been to San Antonio. I've been – yeah, you're right. I haven't been to a major city. It ain't Toronto. <laughs> I'm excited. I like. We're going to Orlando in September – but I'm yeah. probably more excited for Toronto, to be honest with you. Well, that's because you're coming to see me. Of course. Makes a big difference. Of course. Skydome has picture, nothing to do with it. i got to get a picture with Ellsworth. Oh, is that what you want? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I might charge you, uh, what, what are they charging <laughs> on the Indies? 50 bucks the a Virgil, shot or something? The Virgil Cardboard Cutout would try to charge me for that. Right, it would. It would. It would. Uh, one other thing that Deanna said, she talked about Rip Rogers making her wrestle for an hour. Uh, I know that he is a bit of an eccentric personality, but I personally loved hearing that Mm -hmm. because you hear stories about a lot of the talent today where a lot of the spots now are planned out and and a lot of them are scripted and uh, you don't hear as much about guys just calling it in the ring. So obviously by forcing her to work for an hour, she has no choice but to use her brain and and be creative and, and, uh, and, you know, call, call things as she goes. So I have no problem with him doing that. Did I ever tell you my Brian Lee story? No. You know Brian Lee, right? Yeah, he was Chains. He was the fake Undertaker. Primetime right. Brian Lee. He uh, was in TNA as a member of the New Church, who actually James Storm put over recently in a video saying that he thinks that Brian Lee and Slash, who was uh, Wolfie D in PG-13, should be in the TNA Hall of Fame because of their contributions backstage. So, yeah. Okay, so so years ago, Brian Lee did a did a, an independent show here in Canada. Uh, and he was wrestling a friend of mine, and, and at the time, just like a lot of the time now with the indies, most of the guys in the locker room were small, like 5'9 or shorter. Brian Lee is an enormous human being, and so there was only a couple of guys in the locker room that had enough size that the promoter thought it was going to be believable to get in the ring with Brian Lee. The problem is the guy they chose, uh, a guy about the, his wrestling name was JQ Public at the time, the guy they chose was, was pretty green. And he was nervous. And I remember when we were sitting in the locker room and Brian Lee came in and did things the pro way, you know, where you shake everybody's hand and introduce yourself. So he came around and introduced, introduced himself. And he's an intimidating looking dude because he's so big. So my friend was even more nervous. And he's like, oh, man, he's going he's gonna to sense that I'm green and he's going to, like, you know, potato me and everything. When the match was over, my friend came back and said, that was the best match I've ever had. Because as soon as we got in there, Brian Lee could sense nervousness in him. And Brian Lee said, just listen to me. We're going to walk and talk. That's what he told them. And they went out and had like a 15-minute match. Nothing was scripted. They just basically let Brian Lee be the ring general, and it worked out just fine. So going back to Deanna being forced to do an hour-long match, that's how you learn that. That's how you can do things on the fly and not have to worry about uh, planning everything out. You know that Ricky Steamboat has always said he doesn't consider his match with Randy Savage to be his best ever? Because Savage wanted to pre-plan everything. Yeah. Whereas Ric Flair, when Steve would have those matches with Flair, they would just go in the ring. And, and yeah. they would just like, you know, and a lot of guys prefer that. I love it too. I always liked the, that's a lot of the catch wrestling style too, is being able to, to go like that, like on the fly. Like the way that we have it set up in our gym, a lot of our guys who do MMA and catch wrestling, they could work a match in a ring too because of they're they're familiar with all that without ropes without turnbuckles without anything you have to be able to go and rip rogers like 
it's mandatory for him. Like he, sure. his students, he makes like they're all going an hour. That's and that's that's like a crucial tool to have. I thought it was funny. Deanna says said that she was like, well, it got so bad that it was just like, if I die, it'll be mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know when sometimes you see botches in matches now, uh, and what did the guys do more times than not? They go back and try to do the same spot again. Yeah, and it's be- and it's because again, a lot of them don't have that ability to improvise, and they they probably freeze and they're like, oh shit, and so they just go back and do it again. You know, the it's, the guys like, go ahead, sorry. It's something. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. It's something Jeff and I have spoken about before. Fights are fucking ugly. There's right? they can be ugly. You can blow spots and just. But the thing is, most uh, so often the spots that get blown are these big ones that they have factored in to be so important. Just come back around, do it again. Just, just like you don't have to do this, like repeat it immediately after. Go right. into something else, right? Then go back to it. Right, right. I remember uh, Taker Flair WrestleMania might have been X Eight, and they did the spot in the corner when Flair would do the flip out of the corner. Yeah, and it, he was older then, and he missed it. Right. And Flair has told this story before. They because they were both pros, they were able to cover for it, and, and they were able. To, they were just fine. Flair's told the story that Taker wanted to do again because I think he probably thought that Flair might have been a little self conscious, you know, at that point. So Taker got Flair in the corner, and he said, "You ready to do it again, kid?" Even though Flair was probably ten years older than Taker, and they went and they did it, and then Flair was able to do the flip properly. So yeah, I want to talk before we go off the air here. I want to talk a little bit about Tammy Sitch. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now we've talked before about people that have potential, and we've talked about all of that. In '96, Tammy Sitch, aka Sunny, was arguably the hottest thing in wrestling. She was the most downloaded AOL person of the year that year. That's when AOL actually was relevant and meant yeah. something. Uh, and she was, like I said, arguably the hottest thing in wrestling. She never wanted to be an in-ring worker. But not only was she beautiful, but she was very intelligent. She was very articulate. She could talk. She understood the business. She had all that going for her. But unfortunately, she made bad choices, whether it be relationships or, or the guys in her life, whether it be addictions, whatever whatever it was. Uh, and she's had her share of struggles. In recent years, she's really, uh, I guess you could say, made a few more bad uh, bad choices. Oh, and yeah. uh, and uh, it came out this past week that she was back in the hospital. She posted photos of bruises, claimed that it was a reaction to insulin shots. Uh, she was actually posting on Facebook asking one of her readers, if you live in this area, will you come to the hospital and sign me out? If you think, if you think about it. She's doing paid Skype videos where I heard she does like uh, strip teases for fans. She was doing paid appearances where you can take pictures of, uh, in bed with her. She did an adult film. Uh, I really hope that she's able to get her shit together and she doesn't end up going the way of a China or of a Sherry Martell because, again, she was every uh, – when you think about the post-Ms. Elizabeth WWE, right, post-Ms. Elizabeth, she was the first big female star of the 90s. And I know that Alunder Blaze or Medusa gets a lot of, lot of press. She wasn't that big. No, not even close. Not even yeah. close to, to, to where Sonny was. Before Sable came along, Sonny was the it girl. In, in wrestling and uh, it's really a shame that she's kind of gotten where she is I read her autobiography and I thought this is going to be good because this girl again she's intelligent she's well spoken and it, I don't know if you've read it it was dog shit because she spent half of it talking about her ex-boyfriend at the time yep in her autobiography I, yeah that's that's an addict mentality a lot and I hope, I hope she, she changes things I hope she gets better 
The thing is, I, I always heard from a lot of people, she had a really good mind for wrestling. Like, Absolutely. You could see it, yeah, for sure. And that was something that, that a lot of wrestlers put over to me about her, is that she is one of the best creative female minds as it pertains to wrestling that they've met, which a lot of people don't think or don't understand. Absolutely. And, and I hope she gets better. I mean, I remember when she came back for her WWE appearances, and she looked awesome. She was yeah. in great shape, and she yeah. looked motivated and happy and healthy. It's been a while since we've seen that. I hope I hope she gets it in order, and I hope she she does it. She's she's been through some rough stuff in her day. Yeah, like, she's had health issues and all that. But, but again, I mean, a lot of it is. But know. she had a lot of these problems well before then as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think back to that time in the '90s, how many girls today? Although although things are getting better now, but how many girls can you think of where if you gave them a microphone and you said, "Hey, we have 15 minutes of time. We need to eat up. Will you go out there and say something?" How many girls today would be like a deer in the headlights if you told them to do that? Sonny could do that like this. Yeah. Like she was – and and she was also good with the mainstream media too because she had that ability to, to talk and she had a sense of humor and she had all of that going for her. But man, she's really kind of come off the rails the last few years. She sure has. Anything else we got? No, man. Uh, I know you're big into the uh, the one-year anniversary thing, so – yeah. Kudos to you. I actually really thought I thought that you were going to do like the, the shower curtain, and I thought that you were going to have some kind of bullshit like balloons and fireworks and shit. Like I expected something. You expected right because I really thought about it. I bet you did. I really thought about it, but considering we had a little technical snafu last week, that I was like, I'm not going to press it. I'm not going to okay. like. I'm not going to Sammy Zane it like what he did to Mike and Maria. By the way. Who knew Sami Zayn was so much bigger than Mike Bennett? Jesus. Right? He is. Yeah, he is. Man. And Absolutely. as I said last night, hope Vince didn't see that for Mike's case. I mean, um, Marie is clearly the, the you know, yeah. she's the star of the show. Yeah. Of the act, I should say. Also, it says something about WWE that Maria was, Maria and Maurice were two girls that were kept out of WWE allegedly by the Bellas a couple years ago. And both of them are on the show now. And I think they're both pretty good. They are. You know, yeah, very good. I, I loved them on Talking Smack last night. Jimmy, are you going to sing Happy Birthday to Fightful? You go ahead and do it, Sean. I'm no, all yours. Bring, bring in Lindsay. Bring in Nigel. Where's Melissa? You know what I might do for you, Sean? What? So, so the joy of my life right now is my daughter, a two and a half year old named Lily, and this is coming from a guy that hated kids, and I love my kid. She is at the age now where she is singing Happy Birthday. I will oh. get her. I will get her to sing happy birthday, and we'll put it on the show next week. Nothing like some nepotism from uh, Jimmy Van. Got to make your kid a star. You're probably going to put No, no. It's all you care about, putting your kid over. You know something? I'll tell you this this story quickly. So a year or two ago when my wife was at – you know how they do these conventions for like new moms and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife's walking down the aisle at this thing. She spots our baby photographer. And my baby photographer hands her a promo that she had printed out, and the promo had my kid all over it. Oh, no. And they had not asked for permission or anything. Uh, my wife let it go because, you know, I guess she was a proud mom, right? So she let it go. But she brought that home and showed it to me, and she said, we should really think about some child modeling with this kid. Yeah. And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> That's not happening. You see these parents and how pressured, how much pressure they put on their kid? 
You know, pageants are big out here because like county fairs are a big deal. Pageants are a big deal out here. Right. Right. And I see it all Uh the time. I've had friends and I'm like, no, don't do it. I mean, if they want to do it, that's a thing. But you see, you see so many of these, these mothers with IJS. Do you know what that stands for? Uh Irritable jowl syndrome. Okay. Okay. With their jowls hanging down, forcing their poor daughters into yes. these pageants that don't yes. want to do them. If they want to do them, fine. Got nothing against them, but you know that when when my wife one day was in at the photographer looking at the photos that were taken, another mother came in, and the other mother had like a one year old kid, mm-hmm. and the mother came in and said to the photographer, uh, "I saw the photos. Uh, I need you to Photoshop them and take some of the fat out <sighs> of a one year old kid." Can you believe that shit? <sighs> This is how the mentality of some people. So I told my wife, like what you just said, when our kid is 16, if this is something she wants to do, that's on her. When she's two, there's no fucking way. Yeah. You don't know what they want at that point. No, that's right. Fightful.com, you guys. You can check out all of our podcasts at FightfulPods.com. Of course, Friday we have the tough finale. Our boy Elias is fighting on the show. Saturday yes. night, UFC 13, a stacked show, Jimmy. We got two title fights. Uh, myself and Showdown Joe will be here to cover the the weekend of fights. Then Sunday, a really good Great Balls of Fire card. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, myself and Alex will be here for that. Maybe Anna. Got to kind of see what what's up with her uh, going into that. Fightful Forums. I want you guys over there. We have a prediction thread. Uh, I want you all to talk about anything. The thousands of you that watch this, I want thousands of topics created on Fightful Forums. I love using those forums. Uh, we're just going to keep adding. If you all haven't seen the visual changes to Fightful.com over the past week, they're really awesome. I love them. They rule. Jimmy, what's up with Locker Feed? Uh, I saw the, mock, the latest mock-up today. We were working on colors, and we were working on the way stats are presented. And I saw the mock-up today, and it's almost ready. Man, I'm going to be all over that during next year's NBA Free Agency. I'm just going to tell you all that. You mean like working on it or just looking yeah, at it? Yeah, working on it and looking at it. Cool, I'm man. It'll be bundled podcasts. into your Fightful salary. Do whatever you want. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm cool with that. When have I ever bitched about how much you paid me? I may have asked for a raise, but uh-huh. did I ever bitch about how much you pay me? You never did. You never did. You just tried to short arm me into a raise, it's but that's okay. Arm. It's not short arm. Like, what is Same short thing. arm? Like, like the clothesline, you know? Like, I tried to clothesline you into giving yes. me more money. Yes, you did. Uh, the only on. thing you needed to do before you asked, Sean, the only thing you needed to do was go like this for a second. <laughs> or the, they could do the Okada thing. Like, he does the short arm clothesline and the camera zooms out when he does the pose. Yes, exactly. Well, we, we went over time. We've given you all a little extra since it is Fightful.com's first birthday. Wish us happy birthday. Please wish us happy birthday on Twitter. Let people know about the show. Subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. All that. Jimmy, you got anything else? That's it, man. I'll see you next week. Until next time, guys, we are out. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.